Each year, for the last three years specifically, the Lord has given myself and our staff a vision for what we were supposed to focus on, what we were supposed to help you guys focus on too, um, for the year. And so the mission, capital M, mission of Woods Edge Community Church is to love Jesus, journey together, and bring hope to the world. A vision is how we accomplish it in any given year. And the vision for the student ministry of Woods Edge in 2017 that we pressed into and you hear us repeat often is, I want you to be a student ministry that changes the way that you think about who God is and who he created us to be. Change the way that you think. That comes from the biblical definition of the word repentance that we see in Romans 12 and that we see Jesus himself say in ministry multiple times. Changing the way that we think is one of the first steps into becoming a disciple, and that was our vision for 2017. Our vision for 2018, well, if you change the way that you think, naturally it's going to get inside of you, and then you're going to start changing the way that you feel. So if you change the way that you think about God, then you're going to start feeling a new way about God. And that was our vision for 2018, which we encapsulated with the phrase on the shirt, your brokenness is welcome here. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care where you've messed up in life. I don't care how you feel about yourself in the morning. If you ever wake up and feel, I should not go to church because I am too gross, broken, I messed up, that is the most backward thinking in the world. This is the place to come when you have um, messed up, um, tripped up, stumbled, hurt yourself, because this is where we get right. This is where we get healed. And God wants us to know that your brokenness is welcome with him all day, every day. So 2017, change the way that you think about me. 2018, change the way that you feel about me. And once we've changed what we think, and then it gets in our heart, and we start to change the way that we feel, it is only natural that we would then walk it out by changing the way that we act. And that's what this year is all about. 2019 is a year where we were going to change the way that we act toward the Lord. The vision God has given the Woods Edge Student Ministry for 2019 is to equip our students, staff, and volunteer to desire and then do God's will. And what is God's will for his people? Well, the last thing that Jesus said when he left this earth and ascended to heaven, the last thing he said was, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age, even to the day that I come back and everything starts again. Everything starts fresh. So what is a disciple? A disciple, according to that right there, is a baptized believer of Jesus Christ who obeys God's word. If you believe in Jesus, you are on your way. You have taken that first step of faith by just acknowledging he's real. I need him. So that's your first step of being a disciple. Have you been baptized? Have you proclaimed publicly your faith? That's the second step of becoming a disciple. And then are you someone who attempts, who is willing, who tries to obey God's word? And know that I don't get it right all the time. And you won't get it right all the time. But, but I'm willing to obey. I'm willing to work at obeying God's word, of acting it out and putting it into practice. That's what it means to be a disciple. 
If you have questions about any of those, if you're not sure about any of those, man, pray about it and talk to me. Talk to the staff about it. But the most simple one, like, have you ever chosen baptism? You can do that today. In fact, after the service, I get to go and help somebody rededicate their life to Jesus Christ through baptism right after this. And I would love for you all to come and bear witness. And if you feel like God is calling you to choose baptism today, to either begin your faith or like just, I am, I am so all in and I've never been before, Dan, don't wait. Do it today. So we are in the middle of a series called the Vineyard Initiative, and we are talking about the seven actions of effective disciples. And week one, two weeks ago, we talked about disciples receive. Because God's a giver, we receive from God. Week two, yesterday, uh, last week, we talked about how disciples then protect what God gives. What's today's verb? What's today's action? Well, Isaiah 5, 1 through 2, which is all these verbs come from. My beloved, who is God, had a vineyard, who is us, on a rich and fertile hill. And that's the life God offers us. It's rich, it's fertile, it grows, it's a blessing. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land and then he cleared its stones. We are to be people who receive the rich and fertile things God gives, protect the rich and fertile things he gives, and then remove its stones. What does that mean? What does it mean to clear something? Here's our definition. To clear means to remove in order to make room. To clear means to make a path or a road by removing obstructions. To clear means to make free of confusion, doubt, or uncertainty. Do you have room in your heart for God? If not, obey the biblical command to clear your heart out to make room. Do you know which way to go in your faith and toward Jesus? If you don't, remove anything and everything that might be standing in your way. Do you have any confusion about who God is and who he created you to be? Any doubt about what this book says? Do you have any uncertainty of the fact that you are the sons and daughters of the living God who were created to be more than conquerors on this earth? then you may have something to clear, to remove in your heart. So what does it look like when we're talking about a vineyard, a piece of land, maybe a garden, to clear out stones, to clear out obstructions? Well, in order to help illustrate this, I worked in my yard this weekend for you. And here's a picture of my garden. I made this garden several years ago out of some railroad ties, and I planted vegetables and her herbs, herbs, you know, stuff in here. Um, I segregated it so I could have flowers on one side and vegetables on the other and herbs over there. But if you will take note, I have not done anything with my garden all last year. Last year is a tough year for us. I just didn't have a lot of time to play outside. And as you can see, my garden paid the price. I didn't touch it all year long. And it is full now of weeds. It became a collecting place of just run, random rocks in my yard. There's sticks. There's thick roots that grew from trees outside of the garden into it so that I can't really work in the earth because there's all kinds of junk in there. And if I were to plant a tomato plant in here, in this state, it would just die because the soil has all kinds of stuff and yuck and junk that will crowd it out and kill it. So there's my garden. It's useless. It's overrun. It can't produce fruit. And it left untended for an entire year. But this weekend, I took 
two hours, a whole year of mess. I took two hours of time this weekend, and I did this. I got down on my hands and knees, and I cleared away all the debris. And then I pulled up all the weeds, and I removed all the stones. And then I got into the soil, and there were all these hidden roots that would not allow something to grow, and I pulled them up. And now this thing is ready to be planted with good things that will produce fruit. Beautiful flowers, herbs, plants, all kinds of stuff. Vegetables. This thing, I could put whatever I want in here. It's ready to rock and roll. It took a year for it to be overrun. It only took two hours to clean it up and make it ready to use. Go back to picture number one for me, Daniel. I want you to look at this garden. That's my garden. That's my backyard. Um, I want you to look at that, and I want you to imagine that that's like my heart, that that's like my spiritual life. I want you to look at this useless plot of land that could be producing so much and is now producing nothing, and I want you to imagine maybe that's a little bit of what your heart might look like today, that that might be what your spiritual life could look like today. And I want you to think that and listen to Proverbs 24. I walked by the field of a lazy person, the vineyard of one with no common sense. I saw that it was overgrown with nettles. It was covered with weeds. Its walls were broken down. And as I looked and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I want to rephrase that proverb and use some terms and ideas that we've been talking about all semester. I looked at the heart of a lazy person, the love of one with no respect for God's word, and I saw that it was overgrown with bitterness. It was covered with selfishness, and it sat unprotected and vulnerable. And as I looked at that life and thought about it, I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little more time on social media and my device in Fortnite, a little longer with bad habits, and depression will pounce on us like a bandit, and emptiness will attack us like a demon in the dark. To clear the stones in the spiritual life means that we as disciples of Jesus Christ choose to remove anything and everything that would prevent us from receiving God's love, from obeying God's word, from, people, from being people that produce fruit. It means we remove anything that would enable the enemy to step right in to the middle of our heart and spirit life and start robbing us blind and sinking roots of bitterness into our life. James chapter 3. If you are wise and understand God's ways, in the Vineyard Initiative, Isaiah 5 is God's way of making people right, of helping them be not just saved, but like effective disciples. If you are wise and you understand God's ways, prove it. Prove it by living an honorable life and doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But 
if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover it up. Don't cover up the truth with boasting or lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find, right in here, I will find disorder and evil of every kind. Underneath your chairs are stones and black sharpies. Grab them now. I want you to use these stones as a creative way to respond to the Lord, both now and throughout the rest of the service. You can be doodly on them. You can write something and then make it pretty or creative or whatever, or you can just write real small because you're like, I just want to get through this. But I'm going to ask you two questions, and as I ask them, I'm going to lay out some things before, and I want you to be ready to use this stone and write down anything that I say that, that resonates with you. Or maybe even more than that, as I'm saying some examples of what I'm talking about, maybe I don't say the thing, but it makes you think of something else. Write it down. Own it. Don't hide the truth, it says. Be honest. Be vulnerable. So, question number one, what's in you that's keeping you from obeying God, from loving yourself, from putting others first? It could be one of three things that I've got written down. It could be like some ugly emotions, some negative emotions. It could be some bad behavior. It could be a false belief. And as we talked about earlier, the way we feel translates into the way we act, and the way we act will ultimately dictate what we believe. And so there's a progression and it's dangerous. But here's some examples of ugly emotions that you might have in you. And if I say one that resonates, or if you think of one, I want you to write it on your stone. Do you wrestle with doubt when it comes to obeying God? Like doubt like, I don't believe that he's real. Or doubt like, I don't believe that that's good for me. Or doubt like, yeah, but the world says this, even though you're saying that. Do you wrestle with doubt? If you do, it's okay but own it and write it down. Do you wrestle with selfishness when it comes to obeying God? Well, it's my time, not yours. When it comes to loving yourself, when it comes to putting other people first, do you wrestle with pride? Do you wrestle with fear? Do you wrestle with, insert word here, when it comes to obeying God, loving yourself, or putting others first? And is it possible that some of those bad Emotions, those negative emotions have started to manifest as some bad behavior. Um, I've only got two here, but there's so many. But has your emotions that you've let grow up in your heart as a result of whatever resulted in laziness? Are you just generally lazy when it comes to getting to know the Lord, reading your Bible, whatever? Um, are you lazy in your faith? I think we all could say yes. Um, are, are, you just, are you just a rebel? The Bible says we're rebels from birth, like it's something we'd have to work on. But when you hear me on Sundays, and there are some of you here, I know exactly where you sit every Sunday, that every time I'm up here, I make eye contact with you, or I'm asking you to write on stones, and you're just like, you know, you're a rebel, just like me. But are you going to work on it? Because God didn't, it's not his end goal that you would just be rebellious and be over all by yourself in a corner, looking cool. 
He designed this for family and community. So that rebellion, it's hurting you. That standoffishness, that's not helping you. Is it possible that some of those emotions have led to some bad behaviors and they have negatively influenced your whole belief system? And here's two examples. Do you believe in your heart of hearts that God does not love you? Nothing could be further from the truth. But we wrestle with that, don't we? I've known Christians who are Christians and do Christian-y things for years, and they still don't understand, like, God loves you. And if you wrestle with that, it's okay, but own it. Um, do you have the false belief that um, nothing could ever make you feel loved? That nothing could ever help you get to the place that you feel like God is calling you? Or something that I didn't even list. So there's question number one. What's keeping you? What's inside of you already that's keeping you from obeying God, loving yourself, or putting others first? And if you think of something later, just jot it down. Question number two of two. What's in you? Is there something in you that might be giving the devil a foothold? Is there something that maybe is already in you that makes you feel like constantly depressed? That makes you feel alone, scarce? Is there something that is in you that leads you to think of suicidal or self-harming thoughts in any way, shape, or form? Maybe it's coming from some ugly emotions like jealousy. Students, I know that one of the biggest things you guys wrestle with is comparison. That's just another word for jealousy, from thinking, I would so much rather have their life than mine. Own it if it's you. Do you wrestle with hurt? Um, For me, my father said something to me when I was 13 or 14 years old. He he spoke a swear word at me, and it like went, I, I almost felt it go into my heart. And I lived underneath that swear, that curse, until I was deep into my 20s. I know people have said horrible things to you, that horrible things have happened to you, that you, like me, have done horrible things. Is there a hurt in your life that is in your heart that you don't even know how to get out? Own it. Write it down. Um, do, you, do you just have, like, uncontrollable anger, bursts of outrage, um, fury, and you don't even know where it comes from or how to stop it? Own it. Write it down. Those are some emotions. Maybe they've led to some bad behaviors. Do you wrestle with unforgiveness? Is it easy? Is it moderately okay? Or is it impossible for you to go and say, I'm sorry, when you messed up? Is it easy, moderately difficult, or impossible for you to hear someone say, I'm sorry, and say, I forgive you? Do you have somebody right now in your mind that you're like, I would never forgive them? What they did was too horrible? Or maybe you're thinking of, I did that thing, they'll never forgive me? If you wrestle with unforgiveness that's so significant, use this time. Use this symbolic prayer and write that down. Write down their name. Unforgiveness, substance abuse, numbing your own pain, trying to manage your own circumstances. My last example, and there's so many more, but I've been a student pastor here for over a decade. I've never met a student, never met one of you that didn't wrestle with pornography in some way, shape, or form. That is a bad habit. That, is, that perverts your mind. It makes it impossible for you to see members of the opposite sex, even the same sex, the way God intended. If you wrestle with pornography, acknowledge it, own it, write it down. Maybe that emotion and that behavior has led to the belief that I will never escape my past mistakes. Lies. But if you feel that way, own it, 
I am unforgivable. Lies. But if you feel that way, own it. Daniel, put my picture up of the garden one more time. The neglected one. You guys just wrote down some stuff. You are, you are in the process right this minute of doing business with the Lord. Whenever we neglect ugly emotions, like the ones that we just acknowledged together, whenever we neglect or ignore bad behaviors, like we just talked about, whenever we neglect and pretend, you know what, it's no big deal, false beliefs about God or ourself, when we neglect that, when we ignore it, it's like inviting dark and twisty stuff into our life to mess with us. I'll give you an example. Say I tell a fib. Well, I've just invited a spirit of deceit to come and mess with me, and I need to apologize for it, I need to own it, I need to make it right, and if I ignore doing the right thing that I know I should do, that fib, that act of fibbing, could easily become an act of, like, being a liar. And you know that when you lie, you quickly become paranoid that you're going to get found out, and then you've got to tell more lies to hide the original lie. So fibbing leads to lying, leads to paranoia, which leads to fear And the Bible says that fear leads to death. That one thing and then ignoring it can like overnight end up ruling and reigning in your life, hurting you way more than you realize. Justin, are you saying like if I tell a fib, it's going to lead to death? Yeah, unless you do something about it. Unless you do something about it, it literally could lead to death. I want you to just look at your stone for a minute. Just kind of. Observe what's on there and know that whatever it is, you know that it's hurting you. You know it's not good for you. Whether you know or not, I will tell you, it is not God's will for you to live underneath that weight, to live with that heaviness in your heart. God has more to give to you, and you need to make room to receive it. Imagine those words and what they represent, and the pain they represent. And imagine that you get up today, and you just leave, and don't pray about it, don't do anything with it, and just ignore it, get used to it. What's the worst that could happen? I will show you a visual of the worst that could happen. Check this out. Courtesy of your hall is somewhat lessened of late, Theoden King. He's not welcome. Why should I welcome you, Gandalf Stormcrow? A just question, my liege. Late is the hour in which this conjurer chooses to appear. Last spell I named him. Ill news is an ill guest. Be silent. Keep your full tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to bandy crooked words with a witless worm. Stop. I told you to take the wizard. Stop! <laughs> Hey, what up? 
Who's never seen Lord of the Rings? Make it your mission this week, you poor, poor people. All right. Did you see the king's face? Like the king, the ruler, the guy who had sovereignty over all the land? He was clearly not himself. He looked so worn out, so discouraged, so disgusted at life and disgusting. Um, What is it that was keeping him from being himself? Well, clearly, somewhere along the way, he had let in something creepy and gross and evil. It could have literally started by just telling a fib, and then it just progressed and grew and got some roots into his heart and into his mind and into his life, and it started influencing his decisions. It even started to speak for him when he was asked questions, and it just took over. That is how unchecked sin works inside of us. You know it is true if you think about it. That one thing that you do that leads to another, that leads to another, and it starts influencing your decisions, and it starts speaking for you. My favorite line in that clip is when he said, too long have you sat in the darkness, in the shadows. Hearken to me. I love that word. To hearken means to give attention to what is said, to listen. And that is Jesus to us all day, every day. Jesus is saying to us this morning, Son, daughter, hearken to me. Listen to me. You are in danger. There is stuff that's in you that I want to help you get out so that you can be free, so that you can understand how much I love you, who I created you to be. And students, whether today or a year from now, when we ignore the ugly emotions that we allow to fester inside of us, when we ignore the bad habits and bad behaviors that we act out and walk in that always make us feel worse after the fact, when we allow false beliefs about God's love for us, who he created us to be, when we permit those things to live in us, it hurts us. It is like giving free reign to some nasty little critter that you're like, why can't I get away from this thing? And I don't say this to scare us, but to remind us that disciples receive from God and then they protect what he has given. And the king failed. And we failed. We talked about last week ways that disciples have been called to protect what they've been given. You want to protect what you've been given? Then be a truth teller. Always tell the truth. If you lie, fix it. Disciples do the right thing. We don't just know the right thing to do. We do it. Disciples make peace with people. We're the first to forgive and say, I accept your apology. We live by faith. We believe what Jesus says about himself and about us and about God. We do this by reading God's word. And then after we set those boundaries to protect us from outside stuff, we go to work on the inside in case anything slipped past our defenses before. We remove anything that keeps us from hearing God's worse, uh, voice, from growing in our faith. We remove anything that prevents us from willingly serving others from being free. Check out what happens next. 
release you from the spell. <laughs> you have no power here, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> I will draw you, Saruman, as poison is drawn from a wound. Wait. If I go, Theoden dies. You did not kill me. You will not kill him. free air again, my friend. Dark have been my dreams of late. Your fingers would remember their own strength better if they grasped your soul. some deep and beautiful symbolism in the fact that the first thing he did when he was freed was picking up his sword. And we will talk about that next week. But my favorite line in that scene was when he said to him, breathe the free air again, my friend. That is why Jesus came. That is why he died on the cross for you and I, so that we could breathe the free air again, because we have an enemy, and he is working on us all day, every day, but freedom is available. Did you see how fast the freedom happened for that king? He had been a slave to whatever started that mess for him 
for years. His whole kingdom, no one recognized him anymore. He clearly was not being who he was created to be. He was not ruling with justice. He wasn't doing the right thing. But in a heartbeat, in an instant, he was set free. That's what God can do for you this morning. No matter what you carried in here, no matter what false belief you've been living under, no matter what bad behavior you can't escape, no matter the ugly emotion that led to it, you can experience freedom this morning if you will just lay it down, if you will just let Jesus set you free. Um, Do you feel free today? Let's establish, like, do you think you need it? And we'll do it this way. Do you feel completely free and empowered right now to obey whatever God says to you? Because if not, you might have some stones, some roots of bitterness that need to come out of you this morning. Do you feel free today to love yourself just as you are right now? Because if you don't, there is definitely something in you that can come out today. Do you feel free today, eager today, willing today to put other people's happiness before your own, to to serve them instead of yourself? And if you don't, if that idea is just like, "Eh," there is probably something in you, and it's probably represented already by what you wrote down, that if you will just faithfully give that to the Lord, you will experience freedom today. You will walk out of here in just a few minutes different than you walked in. What do you need to remove today? A negative emotion? A past hurt? A a bad behavior? What do you need Jesus to set you free from? What false belief do you need to get out from under? We're going to ask the Lord to do that for us right now. Band, take the stage. Students, I'm going to read you a word of prophecy spoken over this ministry years ago, which you may have heard me say before, but it is so appropriate that I remind you of it today because this is why we are doing these things. Ezekiel 11, 18 through 20. When my people return to me, they will remove every trace of their sins. And I will give them singleness of heart. And I will put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart. And I will give them tender, responsive hearts. So that they will obey my commands. So that they will find freedom and stay free. Then they will truly be my people. And I will be their God. When they return to me, they will remove every trace of their sins. If there is anything that you have been too timid, too scared, or is only just now coming to you that you need to put on that stone by faith, write it down. If there is someone you have remembered, as I've spoken about, that you have not forgiven, even if it's yourself, write it down. If there is any hurt or pain in your past that is poking you and prodding you and influencing you in a way that's hurting you still, own it. Write it down. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to take your stone and I just want you to give it one more look-see. Give it a, a glance. Read what you've put on there. And will you just pray? Will you just confess that those things are sins? Those things are hurting you. 
those things are not God's best for you. And will you just talk to him about that right now? Removing stones, hurts, bad behavior, ugly emotions, false beliefs, it's confession. It's confessing. You are God and I am not. I can't save myself, but you can. And so will you just pray right now, Lord, forgive me for my pornography addiction. Forgive me for lying. Forgive me for cheating. Forgive me for not forgiving. And please set me free. Please just swat down whatever pesky demon, whatever mighty dominion has been oppressing me. Please set me free today. Just however you feel led, will you just talk to him, confess to him, knowing that the Bible says when we confess our sins, he is faithful, he is just to not only forgive us like right now, but to cleanse us, to clear us out. Pray to him now, knowing that that is what is happening right now. And I'll give you about 30 seconds to do so. are still talking to him, please continue, but I just want us to take advantage of this moment. If you have a prayer tag near you, the brown one with a pen, would you pick it up? And will you just write a second prayer to the Lord? We are confessing our sins. We are laying things down. We are asking and inviting freedom. Now, knowing that when you get home, that temptation might still be waiting for you, would you ask the Lord, is there anything I need to clear out of my life? Is there anything I need to remove from my bedroom, off of my phone? Um, is there an action that I can take today to, Lord, not just be free, but to stay that way? If you know that you have a sin habit and there is something in your life that's enabling it or supporting it, would you ask the Lord right now, please give me strength to do what needs to be done? You guys got about 30 seconds to do that too. still praying, if you're still writing, continue as an act of faith, as a symbolic release, as a symbolic clearing away that rock you hold in your hand with all that junk on it. I want you to literally like get rid of it. I want you to acknowledge it's gone as far as the east is from the west. I want us to in a moment come forward and just drop it into this bin. Enjoy the sound it makes as it is leaving you. As you do so, just like use your imagination and see like Jesus himself just taking a hammer and smashing the chain that has held you to this feeling, behavior, or belief. And know that as you turn around and walk away from it, you are walking towards the Lord, towards better decisions, and away from this thing that has been weighing you down and keeping you from receiving. That is what God is doing in this room this morning. Believe it. Take advantage of it. You can take your prayer cards that you wrote out, your 
sacrifice of Jesus, I can't, but you can, please help. You can drop him in the offering with your tithes. You can take communion. You can sing like you've never sung this song before and know it's so true for you today. I'm going to pray for us and let's take advantage of this moment and know that we have no reason not to walk out of here different people. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your sacrifice. Thank you that each thing we wrote down deserves um, the worst punishment. Uh, It's a capital offense. Adam and Eve, their sin that set all of this in motion was just lying, just fibbing, just denying you. We have done all of that and more, but you came and paid the price. You laid down your life in our place so that we can be free. Jesus, help us be free. Help us walk in strength. Help us lay down what has been weighing us down. Break the chains. We want your freedom. We receive your freedom. Help us protect our freedom. In your name, we pray. Amen.